You are all weirdos. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast, episode 17. It's legacy number 517. I'm here with my man, Matt. What up, Matt? What up, Jim? What up? And we have a couple books that me and you are going to start off with, and it's it's gang war time, and it's going to be gang war time till March. And when we get into these things, I kind of it, – it, it's all over the place. I mean, yeah. you have issues that are jokey, which – and the amazing Spider-Man that we're going to start with tonight – it's the big book. This is where it begins and ends. This is the whole play. So how is Zeb Wells steering the ship? By joking around. And there's so many things that need to be covered. And he really aren't making this whole gang war event feel big. But when you start making jokes, um, it just throws it all off. It makes it mm-hmm. seem like everybody's just putzing around. And I really am not there thinking. And I we talked about it last week. The idea of Oh my God, who do you think will win? Like, you don't even get that far. I just want to have somebody take it seriously at one point and maybe do some things. I mean, we have tie ins where Luke Cage is running around like Shaquille O'Neal and nobody <laughs> knows. And then we end up having other ones where the whole issue is Spider Woman crawling up a, a shaft of an elevator. I, I just don't get it. But the play is it's supposed to mean something and it's supposed to really be hitting in the amazing Spider Man. And we've talked about this with Sebwell's run this whole time, and people will keep coming back. Well, you know, Spider-Man's a quippy guy, and this, The Amazing Spider-Man should be a fun book. That's fine. But we'll even talk, and this kind of goes in later when me and you talk about Doctor Strange as well. There's a time and place for everything, and when you're trying to tell a serious story, you might want to pull back on the and this. This issue might be the most jokey that we've had in quite some time, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So crazy. But before we get into all that, we have other stuff as well. I'll be joined by Gray and Stork to do some other things. But again, it's the gang war. Everybody's talking about the gang war down at the five and dime. I actually (laughs) sent you uh, a message that I don't know which is uh, thudding more. The Beast World at DC or Gang War here at Marvel, they both, they're both duds. But yeah. before we get into that, uh, make sure you go and check out our Twitter at Weird, Weird Science DC. Follow us, we'll follow you back, then go to our Marvel website, WeirdScienceMarvelComics.com. Check out written reviews. Go to our YouTube channel, which is Weird Science Comics. And then finally, if you want to hear more and more and more, Go over to our Patreon where you can help us out, but also get a lot of exclusive podcasts, including what we're going to start doing is our weekly Patreon-only spotlight for the Marvel side of things. One book each week will be exclusively reviewed on the Patreon, and this week it is the new Moon Knight book that me and and Matt were going to do, and he accidentally read for some reason, because I know he's a huge (laughs) Christopher Cantwell fan. The Thanos book, which maybe maybe we'll end up doing that later, and we'll be back with that at some point. I don't know. Yeah, Red Thanos. Not a big fan of Christopher Cantwell. You were sending me. You you ended up sending me some screenshots. I'm like, why is why is he looking at this book? I actually just thought you had already <laughs> read everything. And you were that like, was your time to tell me. <laughs> I was like, all right, <laughs> that that's cool because I actually we we were gonna do it. I forgot all about it. So then you read that. I read Moon Knight. Yeah, I remember kind of talking about doing it at one point. I don't know. I'll probably be uh, doing Moon Knight on the Patreon with uh, my man Greg. So me and him will be doing that. But we'll, that's not here nor thou because here we are for gang war. 
Hey, yeah, yeah. We're gonna start with the Amazing Spider-Man number forty-one. <laughs> like I said, it should be the place to be. This book, and it's just a, a goof fest. It's written by Zeb Wells, pencils by John Romita Jr., inks by Scott Hanna, colors by Marceo Menez, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Me and you have gone on the record as saying that we actually like John Romita Jr.'s art in this mm-hmm. book. I know that a lot of other things he's done, and especially like the stuff that he did with Bendis over at DC, not very good. Not very good, but we kind of got that vibe of, okay, he's back doing Spider-Man. He's got his groove back a little. It's still not as good as his classic stuff, but we liked it. I don't like it, this issue. I don't know if it's because it's just a frantic fight for pretty much all of it, but I do not like a lot of his faces, especially kingpins. His perspectives are off, and you even pointed out, he thinks Spider-Man is just a little guy. Because when you start out, Spider-Man looks like he's like three foot eight. Which, you know, that's fine, but that's not Spider-Man. But the big thing in this is that you had that deal. Tombstone was there and like, hey, She-Hulk and Spider-Man, we're going to wait because Fisk is coming. He's coming to hurt us. And he's going to. But they thought he meant the Rose, Mm -hmm. you know, Fisk's son. son. Also, I will point out, and you mentioned before, the idea that he's just straight up, oh, man, my son, the Rose. Yes, that is true. But what about Butch? Butch right now is other son, illegitimate son, is the kingpin of the- He's the actual kingpin. He's not in gang war. So, yeah. And I, I kept thinking like, he would, I don't know, just saying my son, I kept thinking he meant Butch again because we didn't see the Rose for so long, especially when Butch kind of revealed himself to be, hey, you know, I'm your son and now I'm the kingpin. That seems to me to have precedent before- this run ended up bringing back the Rose because that was stuff in the Daredevil book. And seriously, when you go into this, the idea of Typhoid Mary, Fisk, I mean, they've been off on Krakoa, things like that. But Well, didn't he fake his death and people think he's dead? Like, he's just back now and like no big deal? Well, I think that people knew because of the whole Hellfire stuff. But he's, he's even hiding revealed. behind in that, though, kind of. He's behind the scenes. He's not out putting himself out there yet. So he's, but Spider-Man knew and, and this sort of thing. But even then, when he comes back in here, it's just jokey. It's a little yeah. too jokey for the scene because this should mean big things. But we know because of what we saw that the Rose had set up where kind of drawing Janice in, you know, Tombstone's daughter. And she's been the one who's like, I'm going to because Tombstone was in a coma. I'm going to, you know, keep what my father's territory and I'm going to get some more stuff. And the Rose is going to kind of go. And at the end of this issue, you're led to believe that Janice might be dead. Mm-hmm. We'll see. I think it's a lame cliffhanger. But Very lame. with that, though, we thought that the Kingpin showing up here, it felt like they were going to team up. Like he was like, OK, you know, I don't like you, but let's work things out. Let's make it a go. And we said, if anybody's going to be the king of New York at the end of this, it's probably going to be Fisk. But he he's there, Spider-Man. And right away. You get these jokes, and I'm sure some people it tickled their fancy, but when I'm dealing with something that I need to get bigger, and I need to get maybe a little darker, make more sense, and you end up having Typhoid Mary behind this going, yoo-hoo, to, <laughs> to Spidey and She-Hulk to the point where you can't even pay attention to whatever dialogue. 
Fisk and Tombstone are at, and this is a big confrontation. She's making crazy faces behind us. Is, she, is he going for Harley Quinn here? What, what's yeah, he that's doing? That's what it seems, and I know that Typhoid Mary has a different sort of person, but this isn't the time for it. Yeah. And so when she's doing this, you then interrupt what should be a big conversation. You realize that this does not mean anything because of how Zeb Wells is playing it, because it gets interrupted by Spider. What? What? Is he pointing to me? Is she flirting with me? She looks like, I don't know. I think she might be flirting with me. Yeah. And so it's that whole play. And it is that uncomfortable deal. Like if somebody waves and you they waving to me or they, mm-hmm. but it just keeps going on. And you're supposed to be getting into this big confrontation between Fisk and Tombstone, but you can't because it's a joke. And the payoff is like 10 pages later. And I kind of forgot what was going on when she said it. I wasn't looking at you, She-Hulk, or whatever she said. So weird. Like, yeah. that is more, like, there's Zeb Wells in a nutshell. He is more concerned with this joke than the actual situation that should be bigger. That should be this whole big thing. I mean, this is this coming back to New York to say, I'm going to get things going and nobody better hurt my son. While in the meantime, Tombstone thinks, oh, my God, you better not hurt my daughter. Like, this is big stuff. And then this has to stop and say, time for Mary, damn it. Have some mm-hmm. respect. <laughs> Sorry, sweetie. I mean, it's so bad. And then she's like, and he's like, what, what are you doing? Why, why are you acting like this? Well, because it makes you crazy, and you fight so good when you're crazy, and then boom, fight. And the fight ends up where I don't. There might be making out at point. I That's mean, they I are going, going at each other. Like they are doing the weirdest type of. It, it might be a headbutt, but it more is like it's let's like a, rub our faces a, together. It's a headbutt versus a chin butt. It's kind of like meet in the middle, I guess. A rub. <laughs> Ever heard of punching and kicking? What's going on here, man? These are big dudes. At one point, Fisk starts yelling at Tombstone, like almost like, I thought that you were strong. I think he's talking about both of them. Like, man, we used to be something, and now he we're is, doing, he's talking about both. We're kiss fighting. I don't know <laughs> what they're doing. At one point, they are like, okay, well, let's pretend you're a Vanda Hollyfield, and I'm like, this, and he starts biting things. Yeah, Tombstone. He's got those teeth. The nose, yeah. And then Kingpin's biting back. And then he knees him in the uh, in 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 the uh, nuts there. Yeah, the, uh, knees him in the nuts. I mean, it is a wacky fight. So again, though, it almost plays like it's supposed to be humorous, but it's not because of what's the situation. Because then we go off to the situation. Janice in that stupid new costume, uh, which we yeah. do, you know, see it is. He said adamantium and all that, so it's not going to be able to be pierced. Why have a long so that, face? And again, that's why at the end, I think. How did she get shot in this? She's got this crazy new custom. And there was only, we were wondering why she had the custom. I think that's just it. But she's there and Digger's there. And, you know, the Rose says, you know, we're going to take you down. My man Digger here is going to beat the crap out of you. And she has the syndicate with her. And even then, you can't take it so seriously. Digger's just screaming. At one point, (laughs) Digger's like, oh, man, I want to fight. When am I? He's like, why aren't you then? (laughs) They're <laughs> just standing around. And he's like, oh, okay. And then he grabs them. And, and then you end up having, I guess it was White Rabbit goes, how dare you just grab appendages? Like he's going to get canceled. <laughs> yeah. And th- that's the joke. And then Digger stops and goes, um, uh, I-, I thought we were fighting. Like he's confused. We are. And then they fight again. I'm like, what the hell? He's grabbing the robot arms. Come on, man. Don't get yeah, canceled for that. And also, he's just ripping them apart of yeah. the whole scorpion. He pulls off the scorpion tail. 
Scorpius yeah. in trouble, no tail. Again, I'm so, I'm really shocked that he doesn't Digger doesn't yell. It's it's about time I get some tail. Like you might as well just go full out because it's mm-hmm. so goofy. But again, this is that fight, fight, fight. So while Fisk and Tombstone are fighting. They are talking about Janice a bit and, you know, all that. And he says, hey, I sent some of my guys. And you do have these Hellfire Knights with him that are kind of like even Spider-Man says. And I don't mind. Again, when Spider-Man starts fighting the Hellfire Knights and says things like, hey, don't you guys mop up at the, you know, Hellfire Gala and the your little. Le-. That's OK. That's Spider-Man mm-hmm. quips. But in the middle of a fight that's supposed to mean something. And you pull over and you see Typhoid Mary's fixing her makeup. I, you throw me out again. I, I don't get it. But you end up where they're all fighting. And then at the one point you do have Typhoid Mary finally gets her makeup right. And then mm-hmm. starts the fight, starts to attack She-Hulk. Ends up and She-Hulk's talking crap. Oh, I guess you never fought an irradiated you know, person like me. But the thing is, Typhoid Mary, because she's been on Krakoa, means she has an adamantium sword, ends up cutting into She-Hulk, but again, She-Hulk's like, yeah, I can heal. And then you get the payoff 20 pages late yeah. where she says, I was flirting with Spider-Man, you ugly beep. And then yep. runs through She-Hulk. Like, oh my God, that's a big moment only for She-Hulk to immediately say, I will heal from that. By the way, almost a kind of a cancel type of comment as well, if I, if you ask me, of like, you're going to need more makeup because I am going to beat the crap out of your face. <laughs> that's, like, that's pretty harsh. But again, she deserves it. But she ends up oh, beating yeah. her up. But again, this is all more for jokes. I, I'm telling you, this is my play here. And especially with Zeb Wells, why are you more concerned to try to land jokes than to land a plot? He is only concerned about Clips and jokes. I think that when Zeb Wells is sitting there, if you went to him and he was at a convention, and when you and we could do it, if we ended up somewhere, he, you know, New York Comic Con, me and you go, we're kind of near there. So we mm-hmm. go, you're the first up, and you go to Zeb Wells, and we'll have the thing and gauge his reaction. Hey, Zeb, I really love your work. It's real, seriously great. And I, it really did. And I think he'd be like, oh, well, thanks. And thanks. if I come up next and I say, you know what? You're the most hilarious writer I ever read. And every time I read a Spider-Man comic, I'm laughing my ass off. I guarantee you that would get better reaction from him. Oh, yeah. Because that's all he's trying to do. That's Going all for the comedies. That's all he's concerned with. He wants to hit these jokes. And I want to hit maybe him, allegedly. I don't think <laughs> to be canceled. But you end up where, speaking of hitting, either... Tombstone and Kingpin, are they hitting each other or are they hitting on each other? Because I can't tell. At the end, they're just bloody mad. It's like, stop stop hitting yourself. That's what it looks like to me. I don't know. Grabbing at each other and hitting their other. It's weird. God, they're biting each other, maybe kiss. And then at the end, it's like, oh, man. <laughs> hey, and then just to make it even worse, I mean, and seriously, I think Kingpin's a big dude, right? But Tombstone, Tombstone has made Kingpin's face look like Hamburger Helper. It's bad. And mm-hmm. you get a, a phone ring. Here's kind of a... J- oh, wait a minute. I got to take that. <laughs> Just stop fighting. Yeah, sure. Stop the fight. Go take your stupid phone call. No big deal. I got to get that. Huh? Yeah? Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's over. And then you see the, oh, surprise look of Tombstone. Like, okay. Even at the one point when the phone rings... Typhoid Mary is getting the crap kicked out of her by She-Hulk. It's like, ha-ha, 
It's good news. I'm like, what are you talking about? Even like, but even this uh, this nine panel grid as a cliffhanger was kind of, I don't yeah. know. It's not, it's not well done. No. P- P- I love how Peter keeps like, I know there's a lot of these, you know, Hellfire Nights, but his whole, I, I, his costume was ripped to pieces. I don't know, he was on fire at one point, he's still <laughs> smoking. I don't even know what's going on. Uh, but yeah, there you have it. So, and what happened is, is that these Hellfire Knights, but in a way that they look like they're from like Warhammer, they come in with laser guns and they're blasting away. And that's when you get the call. They come and light them up. All right. Mm, we'll see. But I think that's a misdirect. <laughs> we'll see what yeah, happens. Well, I think that again, it's like <laughs> I put my money on that. And she, her, you know, I, this new outfit seems to be pretty impervious, but we'll yeah. see. We'll see how it goes. I, I don't know. But again, if Janice died, I'm sure there's certain people would be upset. But really, mm, we'll see. We'll see how care. it goes. Yeah, I, I think that again, in this run and up to this deal, she's just kind of been this kind of weird little prop type deal or pawn, you know, dealing with Randy and then going in. It just hasn't really hit at all. Uh, but what would you give this? I'd give this one a flat six. Yeah, I'm a four. I thought it That's was horrible. I, I just thought it was just completely ridiculous. I, and after this, I'm like, I guess we're not supposed to take this any bit seriously. It's just a goof. This is the main book. The tie-ins haven't been great. I, You know, we, we've done all of them. They haven't been great. So you rely on this, the, the basis and the pretty much the foundation. And it's a foundation of, of jokes. And a foundation of stupid, you know, one-liners, and it's it's not working for me. I think it's and again after this issue, if you told me, okay, well, who's really working it well in this gang war? Who's having to step up? I'm like nobody. What about Big Ben? I don't know how Big Ben is? He's I'm the winner. Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> He's on the map. Just if you're there, you know, keep your distance. Don't go in a bathroom with him, and then you're fine. You'll be fine and dandy, <laughs> allegedly, but. I don't want to fault John Romita too much on this either. I think he was handed a crazy script yeah, and just had people, to deal with it. Me and you are about the only ones that seem to like him still with the art, it seems, from at least the comments on YouTube. Uh, but this one, I think it was not great. It just wasn't <laughs> that good. But mm, that's He's an older is, guy but, now. I mean, you know. Yeah, he is. But maybe there's some young... You know, young buck who's ready to go. I don't know, but I'm Maybe. looking I'm, again. I'm looking because Madame Mask has her own deal, but then the Menagerie was part of I'm telling you she has kind of like gotten all that together with Silvermane and things like that. But I mean, I don't think I could pick her out of a lineup. I guess I've seen yeah, her. Who knows? Then I'm like, oh, there's you know, Big Ben, just there telling yeah. time. I guess. I mean, I guess you could just not do anything and win by default at the end. Everybody else kills each other. Shang Chi will just win. <laughs> I, I don't know but yeah all, and, and we're you know halfway through or whatever from you know just glancing at the checklist i'm like i just don't see anything really changing we're just kind of doing nothing and all the rest of the stuff is just in the tie-ins that i didn't notice there was anything. a uh, jackpot number one yeah okay. i guess that's the mary yeah, jane that's thing mary jane nonsense yeah. so we'll see how that is maybe paul will die in that and it'll be worth it uh, but we're going to go off now. We have another book because we're not going to get serious just yet because the no. next book is just as goofy. And that book is Doctor Strange number 11, two weeks after what we thought was going to be the end of the series or a long hiatus. I thought it was June. We're not talking in June right now. 
no, June 2024. We're not in the, <laughs> some sort of time travel nonsense. <laughs> but here's the thing. You end up at the end of last issue after a pretty dark play of a general strange yes. ended up fighting a thousand year war. He ended up killing babies and women and children and everybody. And to the point where he got desensitized, he ended up not caring anymore. He lost all of his empathy for Doctor Strange then to fix him by pretty much giving him back the empathy. So I think that that would make him crushingly guilty and maybe jump off a roof. But still, he's there and he's going to help him out in the whole play of, well, we'll we'll help you just hang out at Sanctum Sanctorum. At the end of the issue, it says, hey, thanks a lot for everything. Sayonara sucker, we'll see you sometime down the line. That that's basically what it said. We'll we'll end up it, it basically said, We will be back at some time, and when we do, I hope that you come back and enjoy things. So most mm-hmm. people ended up thinking, Oh my god, it, it's going on a hiatus, it's gonna reboot at a number one, it's gonna do and even with that too, because just as an aside, as a play, usually Marvel minis and trades are five issues. So you got the two five-issue trades. Okay, what are we going to do? Maybe they will chip. Maybe there's going to be an event to chat. Who knows? But then it had next up, number 11. And then I'm like, all right, let me look. And I thought the same thing. So I look up and I'm like, nope. And I said to you, because you're like, it must be going away for a while. Yeah. And I said, no, I just looked up the, the solicits. Not only is it not going away, we're going to get it in two weeks. And here it is. And what after reading this issue, I think that what it was saying, mind my French here. Hey, everybody, we're going to go away for a while. And what we mean is the serious bit of the book, like things <laughs> that matter. And what we're going to do in the meantime is give you a lot of bullshit because that's what starts here. It really does. This whole bunch issue of nonsense is nonsense. And I, I don't even like to curse on, on these podcasts. It's warranted. Here you go. I mean, holy <laughs> moly, you get into this. And we talked about the idea. This is one of those books that while we're talking about it, we often wonder out loud if we're the only ones reading it because I don't hear anybody talking about it. I hear no hype about it at all. I rarely see anybody even mention it, say, on Twitter, nothing. And so when you get through that general strange, which we liked until the end, it kind of thudded a little. It's a little confusing. But we get to this issue, and now it's like, hey, we're not even going to pretend that we're trying to do anything but goof around. And you said it perfectly before we started. To paraphrase, and you, maybe you, you tell them, tell them what you said about this isn't bad. No, but it 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 doesn't it's, fit. It's, it doesn't fit the book. If if we had just started with this to begin with, I probably would enjoy it more. But we just came from a super serious arc. Or if this was a mini series, Doctor Strange going wacky, like mm-hmm. you'd be like, okay, it's kind of fun. You get, but it's it's so jokey. I mean, this makes Zeb Wells look like he is serious as hell. Right? I mean, this gets into this, well, and even when you start, you end up, and I'll give you the credits, which kind of throw things off a little bit for what we had gotten. But you have written by Jed McKay, so you got the same deal. But Danilo S. Bayruth, guest artist, and I, okay, I don't mind. But again, this is showing you that these are just side issues that mean nothing. And I really am afraid that a book that me and you have been liking enough is now this is the jump the shark well, moment it seems that like people just it, are going to bail. Yeah, it seems like a recipe for a book that especially you would like. You like the kid characters doing stuff. But not it, when it, we're coming off of exactly. dark it's, stuff. And again, if Jed McKay is giving you a little bit of a, hey, by the way, I think that I could write like a Strange Academy. 
or I can do something that's a little more lighthearted because a lot of his things now, granted, when he did the black cat, that had some humor in it. It was kind of a fun book, mm-hmm. but lately he seems to try to, I think that moon Knight kind of screwed with him a bit and he yeah. thinks he has to be like really serious and really like, you know, pseudo intellectual with, and I don't think it's really him. So this might be more of him, but it still doesn't fit, but it's KJ Diaz as guest color artist. Theses Corey Patia's letter. And now, again, some people will probably sit there and say, well, you know, we just got done a dark story. A lot of times we do have a cool down issue. You do have something to light, you know, palate cleanser. But by the end of this, we're told then next issue, we're going to have a solo issue with bats going around. This isn't just a a one shot. So I think we're going to get a bunch of these. And quite frankly, we may not get, like you said, this felt like the book's not going to come back till June. Maybe it won't. Maybe <laughs> we're going to get this stuff. Because once you start a trade with two issues that are goofy like this, I don't know that you just don't keep going with that flow for five whole issues. And I think it's too much. One issue really throws you off. But at the end when it says, hey, Bats, and I love Bats. Mm-hmm. But still, I must say, I hope that this Beirut does not draw bats in that solo issue because it's kind of freaky the way that yeah. bats comes off. But again, this is kind of a, a jokey deal. And getting into it, you end up, it's more of a story about Clea and Doctor Strange with Clea's new sister, Donna. Very cute. You could have some fun with this. And it is mm-hmm. kind of fun, but it gets almost too, like, even if you're there and like, okay, this is a goofy deal, it gets too goofy at points. Too much. Yeah, yeah, and like, why not at this point, like, show us more of that Dr. Z, show us more of Wong and, you know, Pandora and that, and that whole Wan situation, maybe develop that, but, okay, they're going through, like, Coney Island. Dr. Strange looks like he just jumped off of some romance novel where he's a pirate, and I don't get it, I mean, he (laughs) looks crazy, and I do like, I will give him one thing, though. They don't care to be inconspicuous. Clea's walking around like it's Halloween and she's pretending to be Elvira, but not quite. And you have Bats, the ghost dog, and nobody's batting an eye. They're there. But Clea looks really, really cute. And they're talking about, would you like kids? And, and Clea's mad. Like, I wouldn't want kids because of my history and my relatives, you know, Dermamo. And I'd be afraid that a kid would end up bad like man. Then Dr. Strange, what, baby? You're the greatest. Mm-hmm. And then while this is going on, you do see that while they're distracted, Clea's kind of doing some crazy magic that nobody seems to notice. But then she ends up disappearing. She actually switches places with she sees a stuffed animal monkey and ends up where the monkey takes her place and she goes off to do whatever she's going to do. Now, the problem I have right away a bit is that she does look older than she should, I think. Isn't she like a newborn kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, and, and they play that off, but she does look like two? she's like two, three, or four yeah. even. Like, I would think that she'd already be talking how she looks, but she is just a little baby. But So she goes off, and she's goo-goo-ga-ga the whole yeah. time. And so they go, and you think, okay, well, Dr. Strange. I mean, it's Dr. Strange. And Clea. I mean, Clea's pretty capable and they're trying to find her using location spells, but they can't because they say, even though she is never trained, she's so big on the magic because of Umar being her mom, Tybaro, and all her relatives that she is actually being able to cloak herself just by wanting to not be found. They have this big thing that is supposed to be this like really profound moment of, I think I get it. Clea can't be found. 
because she doesn't want to be found. I'm like, that sounds like a problem. I mean, send her to the dark dimension now. While this is going on, they are like babysitting. You have Umar, the mom of Clea and the mom of Donna, wants her to spend time with Clea each week. And it's nice. That that's kind of nice, but yeah. you know, there, you find out later that it's more of like I want her to realize who she's going to take over later. She's it's not as nice, yeah. but so the the rest of the issue is okay. What's happening to baby Clea? And we talked about this, even though it doesn't end up quite like it. It is something we've all seen before. This is we saw it in The Simpsons with Maggie. At points, mm-hmm. you have a baby going around, and things are going on around them. And they're giggling and they're grabbing things. And I just I kind of wish that you went a little bigger and showed like maybe there was going to be an invasion from the dark. But you end up where unknowingly because of just being this baby that Donna stops that and then they don't realize. But you end up getting the circus of crime. And now the jokes begin and they're full blown. And and again, it it could be kind of funny, but I don't know. In this book, this book is still. At this point where I don't think it's grabbing me fully, I did like the General Strange deal, but I'm still waiting to to really think that if I wasn't doing this podcast and reviewing it here, would I be reading the book? And I can't say that I'm quite there yet. And then when you get this, I'm like, this really just feels like, okay, that was funny, but I'm out. It's such a jumping off point to me. I, I don't I don't yeah, know. The circus is too much, man. I circus mean, of crime with the ring mistress and Stefano Stiletto and Chief Beef and Jim Nasty. Yeah, Chief Chief Beef put me over the over the limit. He's got he's got a graduation cap on. What's he's he got wearing? a graduation cap on and he's a big weightlifter who has to watch his diet because later he starts eating <laughs> carbs. Stefano Stiletto, who's afraid of stuffed animals, gets all upset. Oh, you're so mean when you don't follow your diet. Yeah. Jim Nasty does nothing. And the ringmistress is kind of given the deal. Don't you think ringmaster will come and get you? She goes through a background that you don't even need to know or care. And then she basically gets the giant wheel, the hypno wheel, and says, oh, we're going to have a huge hypno wheel and hypnotize everyone and steal stuff. That's it. But Clea, Clea, I keep saying Donna jumps in. Baby Donna and just grabbing shiny things, thinks it's funny, ends up where there's this device that's going to set up the hypno wheel that is connected to this Ferris wheel. In my mind, like it's already going, but she's got to press this button and Donna grabs it. Oh, I can't press the button. Get the baby. And they start chasing the baby. So in the meantime, you have Clea and Dr. Strange. They're trying. They sent bats off. He's sniffing, trying to get there. That's so realistically drawn at points that it scares me. Yes, yeah, like bats is one of the cutest things ever, and so I don't, I, I don't know. It just it played off weird as I was reading it. I'm like, ooh, that's not great. It looks kind of a little scary. But again, there's Donna who doesn't know what she's doing, but she's running away and thinks it's funny and sees this and that and the other thing. And when she goes out into Coney Island, and you have the Circus of Crime follow him. That's where you find out, oh, no, Stefano Stiletto, he doesn't like the stuffed animals, but he's <laughs> the bravest man I've ever known. And then you have where all this popcorn's going, and you end and up where... He's eating it, right? He just yeah, can't control he's himself? eating it. That's the problem, is he's like, he's one of those guys. He's a big weightlifter. He's, he's on a keto diet. other guy's but... holding, holding him back so he doesn't uh, mess oh, up yeah. his diet. Oh, I'm telling you. I mean, at the deal, legitimately at this moment, I am, I've kind of become more of a vegetarian type deal to kind of force yeah. myself to eat better for now a month. 
but you throw a burger in front of it, I'm going to eat it. Like, I got to keep away from it. That's the same. It's like anybody who's on like a restrictive deal. So he's weightlifting keto. Oh, no. The popcorn and the, you know, pretty much probably everything popcorn. It does. He actually has the uh, what cotton candy. It's mm-hmm. one of the big things, and it's just like pure sugar, and he's just shoving it in his mouth. Oh, no. <laughs> you become impossible when you're not dieting. Oh, yeah, yay. And then Clea pops out. No, Clea, I keep saying Donna, Donna pops out, pops in, and then Clea and Dr. Strange end up, well, our spells can't find Donna, so let's use hawks. And they kind of turn into hawks. So random. Around. It's like, yeah, and like everything is just odd. So right at the point where I Again, I don't know, you know, this and it's kind of a goofy new deal of the circus of crime here. But when they end up going to do this and you really think again, you have to remember this is like a newborn baby and they look like they're going to slice and dice Mm -hmm. this baby. I don't I don't that doesn't play well with me overall, because, again, even Chief Beef. Who is like the the play here also is that he's the smart guy and he's talking metaphysics and things like that, which I don't think that they would kill a baby. Why does he have a T on his shirt then? I don't he, know. Mr. Terrific know or something? I, I, no, it, it's it's a ribeye. That, I think that's what it is. I think it's a ribeye steak. <laughs> it's a steak. Right? Oh, I think God. It's, a, it's it is. a steak, right? Yeah. But it looks like a T. T-bone. Like, T-bone. These, yeah, t- these are the jokes. And it, it's like they, they don't hit. Sorry. <laughs> like, what is going on? And so, yeah, at the end. And, and then where you get to play, which, again, I thought it was going to be that Donna saves the universe, but then at the end, Clea's like, oh, my God, you're here, and just picks her up, and they don't realize, and then they go on a ride or something. Instead, for a, a panel or two, you get Bats step up and say, hey, you don't touch this baby, and then they all freak out. Oh, no, not them. Oh, my God. And then Bats is like, yeah, you know what I'm talking about, you people scared of this ghost dog. You get that, but it's because Clea and Dr. Strange are behind them. That's the joke. And I'm like, and then, yeah, there Mm -hmm. you go. Stay back if you don't want this. And then they they run away again. They just run away, but nobody does anything to them. That I swear they just go and U-turn, go pick up because it doesn't look like Donna has the device. They just start mind controlling people and and robbing them. Who knows? Because you end up having that. I love how Dr. Strange, like when they do get back to the Sanctum Sanctorum, Clea doesn't change, but Doctor Strange has got to get in the classic outfit. That he, why was he wearing that pirate outfit at any point? There was well, no real to, reason. He, he switched to that while they were still in Coney Island. I, yeah, it's like when they. It's right when they started using them. But you didn't. It's so ridiculous. They put but the there cape they are. And stuff. Yeah. He's just there. Somebody'd see him. Like, look, it's Dracula. You end <laughs> up where they're there, and the mom. Omar comes back and pick up Don and says, "Oh, thanks for watching." Or, "Oh, it's a pleasure." And, uh, yeah, I'm so glad that you let us have Donna because it's going to let her, you know, learn how great and fall in love with Earth. And Omar says, no, 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 that's not it. I want her to realize how lame everybody is here because she's going to eventually take over and destroy the deal. And, again, it's, it's fine. It's a fine deal. I actually wish because they did end up aging up. Donna, I wish that she was at a point where she could kind of talk like you have half sentences. It'd be fun to have that kind of play and it does look like she really does like her sister and dr strange so there could be stories down the line but how long do we have to wait for those and when it's just ridiculous but then where i thought we already had enough bats i love bats but you know you you can't go too heavy on bats too much at the end it's like 
and wait till next issue when Bat solves a crime. I'm like, all right. I, I swear to God, they're just going to, it's going to be Pizza Dog, but with bats. It's going to be ghost bats, but bats can talk. So, yes. But again, then you look at the next cover, and I was thrown off at first because I swear it was a photo. It's Alex and Ross. just superimposed deal, but it's, it's an Alex Ross cover that looks so good. But yeah, it's just bats and Doctor Strange walking in Central Park, and then bats is off to solve crimes. I'm like, really? It's you're I, just I doing it's, goofs. I guess yeah. it's a paycheck for Alex Ross, but these covers are wasted on this. Yeah, and this <laughs> issue, like maybe this would have been better on an annual, or maybe if we had like an first, I don't know. It's just I, I just don't get it, and it's like, hey, everybody, we're just going to take a little time off for a while of the serious stuff. And get jokey, but the problem is, I don't think that the serious stuff really was hitting. I, I was, I want to see what you said. I want to see her wandering around. It could even be almost a silent issue. She just wanders around, and crazy stuff happens around her, and it's, it's, and she doesn't really even know what's going on. But she's, but direct, she's able indirectly, to avoid danger because of the way she is. Yeah, and stuff happens because of her being there, and and then it just resolves itself at the end. And that to me is is fun. I like that. Yeah, yeah. This is weird, and it's. Again, it's it's almost like they're saying, you know, these first 10 issues were so great that people will just like, oh, they'll love they'll, they'll come down now. And they, they know we, we hit so great that we'll give them this. And I just don't know. I'd have to see because a lot of people, maybe they like fun a little more than us. But I just coming out of that general strange and it did to me end with a thud. You you got a story that really seemed like it had a lot of you know stakes there and a lot of things to think about and a lot of dark stuff and then to end I get it you want to kind of lighten the mood but it just it throws the whole book off in my mind and then to find out at the end that bats continues in a thing of zone you're like why am I reading this right well this now? reminds like, it, me and I'm sure you too of Spider Man when we wanted to find out what happened with uh, Green Goblin and we still don't know because we've taken on these this detours. I want to know what's going on with General Strange. What's is he actually rehabbing or it felt like for two years wanting to know what the hell happened with Peter and why everybody hates him and what happened. And yet, like, but again, in this issue, I can tell you right now, you don't have to read it. If you are invested in this run, you do not have to read this issue. It might come up later where, oh, we're going to put. It, it can't possibly come up in a way that, it, oh, my God, I'm not getting the info because. Nothing happens. Well, the only things that could come from this are they adopt Donna at one point or they have Which their own would kid. Which just be uh, – yeah, because in this and they're talking about having kids and stuff like that. But even if that happens, you, you wouldn't don't need, to, need read to read this to know that. No, but that's all that would be – would lead from this. I'm saying like if, if we got to an issue and you ended up like, oh, man, that was from that issue 11. I didn't read that. There, I don't think there's anything possibly that could happen that you would have to read. So no, there isn't. But, and then it just gets me angry. But it is fun. If you just want some fun. And how about this? If you haven't been reading this book and you just wanted to read one issue, whatever. You can read this. You just yeah. have to know that Donna is Clea's young newborn sister that looks a little older than she should. That's it. And you could have fun with it. But if you're playing the deal and wanting to have this hit, just doesn't doesn't work. But uh, what would you give it? Uh, 5.5. Yeah, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go five down the yeah. middle. The art the art is kinda it throws you off at first because it has a weird, like realistically cartoony I'm telling you, when you see Doctor Strange as a pirate at first, they're like, it really threw me off. But then I kind of got used to it a bit. 
And then Bats showed up, and I, I didn't like him, but again... Yeah, no, the, Mark, art, the art's pretty good. Bats is a little aggressive. Literally. Bats is a little too realistic. Yeah. yeah. And so the main play, though, is, again, is that, like in the Amazing Spider-Man this week, where the jokes were the center of the story, and you... This is that circus of crime that Sukufi so were never there at the center of it. And I'm like, they're funny, but I don't know that I need it in a Doctor Strange book. It's so weird. It's such a weird because I, I keep thinking and hearing people just yelling that we just can't have fun. But it's there's a time or place. Do you think do you think this this new circus of crime is gonna get a Wikipedia entry or I, I guess really. they're going to have to, right? <laughs> the weird play is that me and Jason were dealing with the actual circus of crime in the Avengers Inc. book. And they even the way that they're playing it almost feels like the ringmaster's like, oh, he's dead or something. But he, I saw him recently. I, <laughs> I don't know. It's just and even then, that's the, the joke plays off. If anybody you're you're getting a very uh, a niche team to make fun of that team but do anybody does anybody care that you're no. like oh man the circus creme gonna be pissed off now you're really digging into them it's so goofy but with that at least we had fun talking about it but we're gonna go off now i'm looking at that t-bone steak i'm like that actually i think that should put my score down to 4.5 I, I think it should too that's i respect that yeah yeah look at that deal i i don't know i i don't like the look of them yeah the, the weird place when when you first end up going, and I like it, it's like Stefano Storo, yo, Chief Beef, and him, Madame, <laughs> and Jim Nasty, hey, but does nothing. But I, I don't like the angle from up above. It's, it's a weird yeah. angle. I will say that Chief Beef, he doesn't skip leg day every no. time. They're not as big as the rest of us. Two body, to one ratio, still, arms he to does legs. It. Yeah, I think that I think that he's one of those. Like every other week, he'll he'll mix and yeah. he still does it. Not really doing it as much as like arms. Curls are for girls, I think he said, and that's all he does. He just and sits he there and particularly does likes his left shoulder because he doesn't cover that up with any material. Yeah, really, he really likes that. Yeah, he's got a big back too. I think it's the hat he's wearing that really okay. just. Here's as as we're going out of this. He's got a weird suit with one shoulder exposed. He's got a T-bone stake as a symbol on his deal, and he's wearing a graduation cap. Well, what the hell is going on with this guy? <laughs> Chief Beef. And he's got to stay away from the cards. All right. But that's it. That is it. But in all that, I hope that uh, people enjoyed hearing about this and don't get too angry at us because we're going to go off now. We have a couple more books this week. Maybe not as funny as this one, but we'll be back in a moment with the next one. All right. And the next book is Kid Venom and it's Kid Venom Origins, number one. And I'm here with my manga pal. And that is Stork. What up, Stork? What up, Jim? What up? And I ended up seeing this Kid Venom Origins coming out. Didn't really look into it and thought, well, I'll get my manga buddy Stork in here. And then when I go to read it, I realized that we'd been man-shipped 100%. <laughs> These are stories that already came out. And this has happened before where you'll have like an Infinity comic that's collected. This is a little bit different. It is setting up an ongoing series. Unfortunately, it looks like that one. Have to wait till April, so I'll get yeah, back to you in April. But yeah, just around the quarter, <laughs> indeed. Uh, and this is, as I said, Kid Venom Origins number one. It's collected stuff from the whole uh, Death of Venom verse two to five. During the Death of Venom verse book, you ended up having this Kid Venom. The thing that scares me about it, first off, I, I 
have a feeling that people are going to push back at this just because it's manga s. Mm-hmm. But it also was I didn't hear anybody talk about this character at all when Death of Veniverse was coming out. I didn't Not get the mall shop even in that. No. The mulch shop, the skate ranch, or down at the rec center, nobody talked about Kid Venom. Now, some people do end up talking about the Marvel manga. The Deadpool and the Spider-Man have done really well. And this was originally going to be a manga and was kind of a treatment for a manga. And you get the writer Tagami you know, doing this, and they ended up getting a hold of him and saying, hey, we like what you did, but it took a while. He said he was doing this in 2018, and then it kind of took a bit. I think that the Times had to catch up, and they're like, hey, listen, we can do this. It's manga-esque. Really what it is is Demon Slayer, it seems like, at the beginning here. Why not hit with this now? Maybe they waited a little too long. I don't know, but again. Western comics, Jim. It might. It might, I doubt it will, but <laughs> I, I do think that it has the potential to be pretty good in April. The problem is, is with this, it is a little disjointed. It's very yeah. quick. You don't mm-hmm. get a lot of care. Like the stuff that you'd expect from a first issue of a manga, you're never going to get it from this because it is these little five page stories that ended up going in these backup kind of things put together here. I like it enough. I I think that the art is pretty good. And Mm -hmm. I think that there's something that can be done with this character that maybe people should loosen up a bit. I think that there's going to be a lot of people immediately are going to have problems with this. But I think that the setup is pretty cool. But it is Kid Venom Origins, number one, written and art by Tagami. Colors by Guru, effects and letters by VCs Clayton Coles. And just to point out, there is a translation. So this was originally written in Japanese and the translation by Aki Yanagi. So you go into this and again, me and you do a bunch of manga podcasts. That's why Mm -hmm. I had you on here. And it does have the manga feel. Me and you said that maybe we would have liked it a little better if it was in black and white and red right to left. But I think that might be too much for people. You know what I mean? It is. It's, it, it's kind of a weird thing because you you mentioned that the the Western comics readers are probably going to be like, oh, it's too manga. And then your manga readers are like, yeah, it's, it's too Western comics. It's, it's kind of caught between the two. So I think that might hurt the success I of hope it. that it kind of as everybody could again loosen up yeah yeah and maybe read it now people are probably that you know the venom fans symbiote fans things like that first off you end up hearing kid venom and i think that the lay of the land is to people to get mad and say oh what is this going to replace you know eddie or dylan or we it's nothing like that and really you kind of have to let loose on some of the things where if you start you know bitching and moaning that oh my god why is there a symbiote at this because this takes place in the past and i think that's a good play it doesn't Mm -hmm. look like at least as we see this and i read the solicit for the first issue that this is going to be like a spider boy oh my god everybody forgot about him and he's back whatever this takes place in 977 uh ad in feudal japan i should have just said feudal japan but it's 977 and you're in japan it seems and so You're not going to butt heads with anything else. And I think that's good. I think that it has its own thing going. And again, it's Demon Slayer as a Venom type deal. As we go forward, you'll see that because when we start out, I had no idea what was, you know, happening, obviously. So Mm. we go in and you have this village that's getting attacked by what looks like just a carnage symbiote. It's red. You know, you get that play and they're struggling. You have a 
girl, possibly a guy. I'm always the worst <laughs> deal to say anything like that. I'll get a little girl here. I think a girl, but you end up where if you have listened to any of our yeah, manga podcasts, 100% wrong every single time. I never, it's a 50 50 chance for crying out loud. I never <laughs> get it right. I just never do. But you end up where this girl, you get this kind of like in the head deal of, oh my God, my dad's going to die because the villagers are going to fight off this carnage venom type deal. Uh, with uh, wooden shovels. Mm-hmm. You know, one guy has like a spear, but a lot of rakes, hoes. I don't mean that girl. <laughs> and th- they're they're going to die. <laughs> I mean, they're, yeah. they're going to die. And she even says, oh, my God, they're going to die. And again, when you go in, if you're going to sit there and think the color part might throw some people off if you're manga fans. But if you think about this as the beginning of a new series where they have a couple color pages, I think that it does pretty much look pretty good i mean it's it's not bad the colors are well done it's just it throws off uh, it manga readers, it, I would the think. manga part of your brain gets mm-hmm. thrown off now i will tell you that i think that when i realized that this really did feel like a legit manga is when i kind of got thrown off by reading left to right as well i yep. mean i don't have that problem reading any western quote-unquote comics but when i was doing this and i just want to point out real quick if you have read some things where people have said Oh, my God, this is manga-esque art. Oh, my God. that We have that in, say, at DC a lot, like Blue Beetle. Mm-hmm. Or you have it in, like, uh, the Speed Force book. Terrible book. But still, <laughs> it, people will say, oh, my God, this is manga-esque art. When you see this, it's so much different. Like, when you actually see legit manga art and turned into colored and put in this book, you realize that that other stuff is nonsense. And usually what happens nowadays if a Western book ends up having digital art, mm-hmm. they suddenly are like, oh, that's manga. That's anime inspired. No, no. It's computer-esque, you know, digital art. It's not either or or. And so when you see this, I'm like, okay, this is legit mm-hmm. as you go. It's just, again, this is just an intro. It's just these little snippets. But while this is going on, I'm wondering, is this girl going to turn into Kid Venom? It's yeah. not the case. All nope. of a sudden, you get a samurai show up. And he's like, hey, everybody, back off. I'm Samurai from the capital. He's from Capital City. He (laughs) says, is everyone safe? Okay, I see what's going on here. And boom, he says, Clinter, let's get going. And that's his symbiote. And once he turns into this kid venom, it's more like Samurai venom, but he or ninja venom. But he ends Mm -hmm. up saying, you know, hey, and starts talking in the Wii. You know, you get that whole play, but basically says it's time to eat. And when you're there, if you're if you're reading this and you don't ever, you know, haven't read manga or whatnot, I mean, you might sit there and say, okay, this is Nightcrawler meets Beast Boy meets Venom. It's it, it does have that feel of all of it, but it's okay. He's pretty cool. He wants to get this symbiote that he's fighting out of, you know, the village, and he decides to take it to the sky by launching this thing up and then jumping up to face it, and then ends up where we get this little background that. What his symbiote does, what it needs to do is eat other symbiotes, and they're calling them onis. They're calling yeah. them demons. So it goes into Japanese folklore and yeah, stuff. It works, and I think that's right? a good play. Yeah. The idea that people are going to see it and think, Venom as a sidekick, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. It's not that. Mm-hmm. It's like an alternate story. I actually like that it's separate. So says and explains that this symbiote it needs to eat other symbiotes to keep going and when it does it ends up pretty much 
you know, grabbing the DNA of that symbiote and he's able to then use forms that it, it gets the memories. This is something that the symbiote would do anyway, but ends up being able to get forms. So he turns into a falcon mm-hmm. at this point. And it, it's pretty cool. I mean, he's this huge falcon in the air. He's fighting this Oni. And as he's explaining this, there is a weird play that we were talking about the idea of these pages and what you'll get in this. If you do pick this up, you're going to get a lot in this little issue you're gonna get a lot of kid venom episode three and <laughs> yeah. i i kind of wish like we talk about things and me and you do a bunch of other podcasts and when we end up working out of a trade we we complain the idea a lot of robert kirkman stuff of right. not having you know the the covers in the trade and not even having a division between issues so it I kind of wish they got rid of the episode three Kid Venom here and all the others, too. You don't really need them when you collect it. Maybe right. scrub For that. This especially. Yeah. Just kind of delete that stuff. I, I don't think it would be that hard to do. But no, no. And then on that page, you have like a, a border <laughs> that makes you think you're supposed to look at what is going on in it. I've seen this, you know, in any sort of comics. I think that they messed it up. I think this yeah. border was supposed to be around the episode three Kid Venom. It's just there. And I'm like, is that we're looking at his butt? We're Are we showing looking at a like feather? The, the villagers what they're looking at because they use it earlier in the book. Uh, maybe episode one, I'm thinking. But there's a, a very similar border with all the villagers looking in amazement. And I think, like, oh, you could have just shipped that over there and used it again or something. What, what would they be looking at here? It's like on nothing. Legitimately, it's like on part of the back of this now. And, and at this point, you see that that carnage type Oni here is it, it's a bear. Mm-hmm. You see, it's kind of bare, but it has, it's like iron spider bear. Yeah. It has all these, you know, tentacles and things and legs coming out of its back. But you do get that cool falcon form from Kid Venom. His name is Kintaro, we find out. And he ends up, you know, going and he's going to eat this thing. We don't really know. Okay. It's the shape of a bear. We're not really privy to the idea. This is a bear that ended up getting it. He's only eating the Oni part of it. He's actually like sucking the right. symbiote part out of it in a non-sexy way, <laughs> maybe sexy. And the bear now will be able to live. And we'll get to that in a minute because at one point, even this, this carnage, it, it freaks out. It sees that kid venoms there knows that it's going to have some problems and ends up shooting out like globules of symbiote mm-hmm. to try to make the villagers into symbiotes as well. And he is, you have a play where Kentaro is able to save them. So that's cool. So he does end up saving the village. He ends up taking care. And it's very quick. Again, these are just little snippets. And I said, if you're a manga fan, it works as like a couple pages before you get into the main story. I just wish we didn't have to wait until April because then we (laughs) see that what happens now before we get to the whole deal of how this works, whatnot. You do end up having a flashback to see how the bear right. turned. I do want to point out that it does the manga deal mm-hmm. where you have black borders. I wish see, that they I spelled that noticed. out to people. I did too. I, yeah. I'm telling you, because it's not in black and white, that really stands out in black and white. Mm-hmm. I wish that there was a part of this that explained it. And hopefully they do some explaining in that first issue where they say, hey, everybody, when you have all black, but you know, thick black borders on a page, 
that is a flashback Mm -hmm. because the art and colors do not change here. You have to know that, you know, deal. Yeah. The first read through, I thought, boy, that's a weird transition there. Because this is where you, you end up seeing how this bear ended up getting the symbiote it looks like and i i think that i'm on the money here looks like a lady Mm -hmm. who looks like the main symbiote you know deal and well then again says give me the give the power to the true king me maybe it is a guy yeah the king thing throws me off but i don't know sure she can be a king yeah king it is uh but yeah that's a flashback Again, so I hope that they spell that out. Just have a little editor's note or have a thing at the beginning of the first issue that explains some of the the ways, some of the mechanisms mm-hmm. of, of the manga. That's going to be the main one. But I like now that I saw because I didn't recognize it the first time through either. And yeah. so I'm, I'm glad they at least do that. That's pretty cool. But then you go to episode four. Again, it throws you off. But you have Kentaro Kid Venom hanging out in the forest little you said that he's dr doolittle yeah he's doolittling it up he is doodling a bit but he is kind of dope but he's writing a letter and you do see that bear wake up so he saved that bear now that you have the symbiote out of the bear it's back and you have a little cub come out like daddy daddy you're alive now they're talking and it's like what again it works in a month, but he actually explains now that he has taken in that symbiote, they can talk to each other. It's not like it's actually talking, yeah, it's talking explained. to each other. I it's get okay. why it can happen. It's cute. Uh, it doesn't mean I have to like it. No, it's cute. You just don't <laughs> like cute stuff, right? Uh, so as well as your wife, because she married you. Oh, my goodness. But yeah, it's like, Dad, he's alive. It's just to give you that play of, hey, look, he's a cool kid who saves animals. Here he is. And mm-hmm. you pish posh it. But he also... In the point, I guess that's the Falcon that he ended up. That's why he was able to turn the Falcon later, I guess. So he ends up giving a a note, ends up giving this note to the Falcon and says, get this letter to Raikosan full speed. And I wish there was a joke here because the Falcon goes, Roger. And he's like, no, no, no. I said Raikosan. Roger's (laughs) a jerk. Don't give it to him. That guy's a lazy layabout. But he goes off to deliver us. Again, if you are a Demon Slayer fan, very similar to their deal. They have crows that go around. I mean, you can even go as far as saying Harry Potter had the owls. It's Mm -hmm. kind of that trope type deal. I like it. I like that he ends up having some woodland friends Right to go around, (laughs) like you have the bear there. Maybe they'll do a Disney song together. Yeah, why not? Just start singing it up. And I mean, (laughs) I love when we see a character bear in the woods. I I don't know if that worked, but you end up where the the falcon's going to go off and tell you at at the point where he says Roger, very cartoon esque, but the details really good. And when you get to the next page, I'm like, a pretty damn good falcon there. When he says, you know, hey, what are you up to after this? I, hey, I have to go back to the village. I have to help repair the damage. I'm like, yeah, I, I hope that's lip service. Yeah, maybe he's looking for a reward of some sort. I'd like if he's like, I'm going to go back to the village and help out. And he's waiting for the Falcon to say, like, why would you do that? That sounds boring. He's like, yeah, you're right. But it's Tensuki <laughs> too, as the Falcon, I think, will be part of the regular book. Obviously, I don't know that Bear Dad and Cub will be part of it, but maybe we'll see. But he sends this letter, and then you go to Kyoto, the house of Minimoto Yoramitsu, which may or may not be an alias for C.B. Sapolsky. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm not judging here, but you have a guy, you don't really see his full face, but says, oh, the son of Shoten Doji is very close. Huh. 
I must prepare immediately. But like you said, at one point, I didn't even get the play. Like, is this the letter he wrote? Well, then that would be something good. Mm-hmm. And the preparing would be okay, you know, get get all the pretty ladies out. It I don't seems know what ominous, but be, I really, but it, yeah. I think it's he's he sent the letter to this guy, so I, I would assume they're on the same team or whatever. We, we have to worry about that woman who wants to. Be oh king. yeah, she's the, she's the the crazy one that we're gonna have to watch out, and she's going around making these symbiotes. Now it's a funny play that if she ends up getting defeated, what happens then to? The and it's Clinter, the symbiote that Kintaro has, because he has to eat other mm. symbiotes. It's like that vampire play, yeah. you kill all the humans, you know. So we'll have to see if that's even. I don't think it's going to be anything. It's just that this is going to be the big villain again. If you're reading Demon Slayer, very similar the way that they have that going on. So I'm interested in it. I thought that it was pretty good. It's very quick. I understand that it's like just snippets, so you can't mm-hmm. really get fully invested. But I am. Liking the character and the setup enough that I will be reading the first issue when it comes out in April. What's that? Like 2028? Is that how it works? <laughs> yes. I mean, seriously. <laughs> I, I actually was thinking two more weeks from now. I, I It's just a quarter of a year away, Jim. I mean, but still, have this come out in March then. <laughs> Do the why you have it come out now and wait that long for it? Because uh, I know well, the date know. on this book is March, so maybe it'll come out. In February. <laughs> it now claims ship date. And we'll see. Nah. We'll see. But hopefully uh, we'll both be alive by then and we'll be able to talk about it. We might oh, both yeah. be gone. Who knows? But we'll see how that plays out. Uh, but what would you give this? I'm going to go ahead and give it a 7.7. A Paul Coffee. Yeah, I'd like the Paul Coffee. Right? Yeah, good. It's good intro to manga via Marvel. Uh, and maybe it'll win some people over because it's not strictly manga it's got the color it's got the left to right um i don't know it's uh it's all right I, i'm not i'm not uh, keen on the talking to animals aspect of it but um otherwise yeah, it's You're pretty good dud. i'm gonna give it a 7.7 <laughs> but it's the it's the ray bork ray when bork? he's on the okay. avalanche yeah. <laughs> i'll do that i'll do that deal though i love paul coffee i like paul coffee way more them Ray Bork, Ray Bork, uh, very uh, instrumental in Mario Lemieux's first goal. Mario picked his pocket mm. and then put it in. It was one of the best deals. I went nuts. Again, this is obviously showing that I'm a huge Penguins fan, but <laughs> that's why I'd like to pull coffee. So with all that, though, thanks for joining me as always. And we're going to sure. go off to yet another book. Welcome all you Marvelous Marvelites to the Weird Science Marvel podcast. My name is Zach, and I'm here today to give you a solo review of Beware of the Planet of the Apes, number one. Now, before I start, I do need to mention that this book is a prequel to the original Planet of the Apes movie. I think that's worth mentioning since the last comic series that Marvel did for Planet of the Apes was tying into the Matt Reeves movies. So I just wanted to let y'all know. But anyway, this is Beware of the Planet of the Apes, number one, written by Mark Guggenheim of Arrow fame, for those of you who know about him, with art by Alvaro Lopez, colors by Alex Guimaraes, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. We also have some pages from the original comic series from the 70s, Adventures of the Planet of the Apes. That series was written by Doug Munch with art by George Tusca, inks by Mike Esposito, Tony Mortalera, and Dave Hunt with colors by George Rousseau's. The reason I'm giving them credits too is because there's quite a few panels and pages in this comic that use that artwork from the original series, so I wanted to give them their due credit. So yeah, so this series is the prequel to the very original Planet of the Apes movies, but thankfully, it has a lot of the uh, familiar characters, such as like Zira and Cornelius, Nova even. So, um, yeah, but we start out with pages from the original comic showing uh, astronaut Taylor landing. And it's basically just two or three pages of like, 
oh, hey, he's landing, and he discovers what's happened to humanity. He discovered about the apes, finds the uh, Statue of Liberty. So we get all that for the first two or three pages. It's just a recap of like, hey, here's the movie if you've never seen the movie. Now we're going to go back before the movie. So it's a little jarring, especially if you're just like, oh, I thought this was a prequel. It is. It just it takes the time in the first few pages to be like, hey, this is where we're going to end up. So it can be a little jarring. But anyway, but so, yeah, we go back to before the events of the movie where we see Nova. She's part of her tribe out in the wild and a bunch of ape soldiers come to ambush and try and capture them. Nova uh, is running. She's starting to head off the other direction from her tribe when she runs into an ape. But thankfully, this is Lucius. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with Lucius, that is the nephew of Zero, and he is a human sympathizer as well. So he agrees to hide her. He hides her in this bush. Some ape soldiers come up, and they're like, hey, we heard you talking. Who were you talking to? Were you helping a human? And he's like, oh, no, I was just talking out loud. I saw this uh, flower called uh, Nalgo. And it's really rare. It's very hard to find. I just was excited. Sorry. And they look at me like, oh, you're an idiot. And so they run off and they tell him to go home. Now, Lucius begins to follow their advice when he gets abducted by a shadowy figure that we do not see. And that's the last we see of Lucius. Now, the comic then transitions to 28 hours later and Zira is freaking out over her nephew's disappearance. And she so she goes to uh, Cornelius, her fiance, the uh, the male archaeologist for the uh, apes. And she's like, please, will you help me find him? You know, can you ask around? So Cornelius does, and he goes, he starts asking around, and then eventually he finds one of the ape soldiers, one of the ones that uh, talked to Lucius the night he disappeared. And he's like, oh, I think he was helping humans or messing with them. I don't know. It's no wonder he disappeared. I ought to run him in or whatever. And so he tells Cornelius where Lucius last was. So Cornelius mounts a horse, and he heads out that way. And as he's searching, he ends up discovering Nova still hiding in the bush that uh, Lucius told her to. So he begins trying to talk to her. And I didn't mention, but Lucius did talk to Nova just for a second. And he did say, my name is Lucius, you know, and tried to pronounce it for her. So when Cornelius comes up, he's like, look, I'm looking for my uh, nephew, Lucius. And she immediately recognizes the name. And she points to the Forbidden Zone. And Cornelius is like, what, he, he went in there? And the Forbidden Zone's a big no-no. You, you don't go in the Forbidden Zone, according to the eight laws. So now he's faced with a conundrum. So he goes back home. Uh, he, le- he leaves Nova there, lets her be. He goes back to the ape society, goes back to Zira, and he talks to her and he talks to Zias, which is kind of like this chief scientist there. Where, and he's trying to negotiate with Zias and be like, we need to mount an expedition into the uh, Forbidden Zone and we need to find Lucius. And Zayas is like, he, if he went into the Forbidden Zone, it was foolhardy, foolhardy of him. He was an idiot, and I don't think he's an idiot. He's like, odds are he's running around in the wild somewhere, but do not go into the Forbidden Zone. It is forbidden. You do not have my blessing. Do not, I, I'm going to pretend I never even heard this. And so Zayas just walks away. Zira is like, nope, screw that. I am going after him in the Forbidden Zone. I don't care. I'm going. And at first, Cornelius is hesitant. He's like, but it goes against our laws and our traditions and we're supposed to respect it and she's like it is my nephew i am going so cornelius ends up eventually meeting her out there because he can't help it he's like uh i can't i can't leave lucius here and i can't leave you out here all alone by yourself too so they're starting to head out that way when they think well maybe we need to go get uh nova and just just to mention it nova does not have a name in this uh cornelius calls her dark eyes which okay Reason, reason I'm kind of upset about that, 
It's supposed to try and be a like homage to uh, astronaut Taylor calling her bright eyes, but it's the opposite. And I get you don't want to do the whole like, oh, the exact same word. But like, it's also like one person thinks she has dark eyes. Another thinks they have bright eyes. And it's just it's kind of like a pointless pandering moment. I don't like it. I don't know. I, I get that he needed a name for it, but he could have just said uh, Savage Woman. You know, he could have said anything. So anyway, uh, they decide, hey, we need her help. We need, because she saw where he went, and she's probably more familiar with the Forbidden Zone than we are. So they decide, we're going to go back to where she was hiding, we're going to recruit her, and let her be our guide. So they get there, they discover she's not there anymore, but they do discover that there is a tunnel near there. Cornelius at first is excited, he's like, oh, these are ancient structures, I really need to get an archaeology group out here to study these and everything. And Zero's like, Nah, who cares? We need to keep moving. We need to find this woman so we can find Lucius. So they press on and they eventually get attacked by Nova. And Nova, she didn't know it was uh, Cornelius. So she attacks them thinking they're here to hurt her. But once she realizes that they mean no harm, she quickly becomes docile. And Cornelius tries to reason with her. And of course she can't talk, but he's basically like, hey, we'll give you food if you take us to the Forbidden Zone. And she's basically like, nope, 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 nope. And so he's like, okay, um, how about this? What if I take you back to your tribe? And Zero's me like, oh, hold up. What do you mean you're going to take her back to her tribe? And Cornelius is like, I know where some of them have hidden themselves. Like, you know, where a tribe has hidden in the wild. I will take her to that tribe. And Zero's like, well, wait a minute. You're, you're supposed to report that to the ape soldiers and everything, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, they mean no harm. They're, they're, they're simple animals out there. You know, he's like, uh, just, I let them be. I discovered them on one of my archaeology trips. I figured, what's the harm? He's like, so I will take you there. And apparently, uh, Nova understands this, so she agrees. So they end up heading out towards the Forbidden Zone on horseback, and they do a long trek over a day and night, and eventually, they are in the Forbidden Zone, and they come across this ancient structure, Yankee Stadium. <laughs> and Cornelius, he is just so fascinated. He's like, oh my god, this is beautiful. Look at this beautiful structure i mean this must be thousands of years old um but uh anyway and while he's marveling over it we see that there are these uh, these two strange people or figures hiding in the stadium watching them through a sniper scope and they talk among themselves about should should we kill them and we're not sure if they're apes or humans let's just kill them and find out after the fact and it's worth mentioning that these figures are dressed head to toe in like uh, sand garb, like desert garb. So you cannot see what they look like. You can't tell if they're human. You can't tell if they are apes. So, but they, you know, put the crosshairs on Zero and they're about to fire. And that's how the comic ends. Now, I don't have a problem with this comic, really. I, I, I enjoyed it for the most part. I wouldn't say that there's really a hook, you know, like, sure, you could be like, oh, well, I care about what happens to Lucius. Eh, I, I don't, I don't, it's not that I don't care. It's just. I don't care. You know, I mean, Lucius, he's just such a side character, especially if you read the original comics. Now, I've only seen the original movie and read the original comics by Doug Munch. So Lucius in there was very much, he was just kind of like a, uh, a snippy sidekick, you know, witty sidekick, whatever you want to call him. You know, he, he wasn't that consequential. I mean, like, sure, you could say he was fun, but I mean, like, I don't know. I, I don't need the whole book to be about this. And plus, it also deals with uh, Zira and Cornelius dealing with Nova before the events of Planet of the Apes. That can get a little dicey. Um, yes, they're familiar with her, but it's not like, oh, hey, we went on an adventure with you kind of familiar. The familiarity from the movie is more like, oh, we've seen her in the cages before kind of thing, you know? 
So that that's playing with that a little bit. I, I think it's good overall. Um, yeah, I don't really know how to feel about it. The artwork's good. I do like that they use the original comic pages from the original Marvel series. And honestly, if you have not watched the original, original Planet of the Apes movie, you could easily read that comic and be able to do this. Because even when you read the uh, splash page for like, oh, previously in Planet of the Apes, they go through the whole, basically what everything that happened in that Marvel comic book they talk about. So you could easily just read that, then read this. Uh, it looks like Guggenheim's a huge fan of that comic series, so that's cool. That is really cool. Do I say you gotta read it? No. If I had to give it a score, I'm gonna give it a 7 out of 10. And I don't want to say that's generous, but I think it is maybe just a little, because it's banking on the fact you're an original Planet of the Apes fan. And, like, sure, you know, a lot of people have seen the original movie. That That's a given. But have they read the original comic? Have they... You know, do they know these characters? Because here's the thing, before reading this, I had just a passing familiarity. I couldn't always tell you, oh, hey, that's Cornelius. Oh, that's Zira. Oh, that's so-and-so. You know, it was Dr. Zaius. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I did a little bit of research into this, trying to prepare for the podcast. So, I don't know. I I hate to say that you'd have to do the same research. I, I think as long as you watch the original movie, or if you read the Doug Munch series, I think you'll be good. But, yeah. Art's good, color's good, story's pretty decent, just it's not anything that's going to grab you, though. So, that's a 7 out of 10 for me. I hope you guys enjoyed this review, and I'll talk to you all later. All right, well, that is it for this week's show, and as we do at the end of every show, I'm going to let you know some of the books that we might be dealing with next week. There's a ton, so I don't know if all of these will quite make the show, but Just to remind everyone, one of these books will be picked on a poll on our Patreon to be a Patreon-only, Patreon-exclusive spotlight show picked by the badasses of the Get Fresh crew. And I do have an idea of what they're going to pick, but this is what we're going to be talking about next week. we got Ultimate Spider-Man number one. That's what I'd say they're going to pick. I have a feeling that Ultimate Spider-Man number one will be a Patreon-only book, but we'll see how that works out. And if you want to get involved and listen to our shows on our Patreon, help us out as well, just go over to patreon.com slash weirdscience. And this week, as we had mentioned before, was Vengeance of the Moon Knight number one. That full review was exclusive to the Patreon, me and my man Gray. Went through it. It's about 33 minutes long, that review. We kind of you know, took our time and discussed some things there. But getting back to what we'll be talking about next week, we got Thunderbolts number two. Not real fan of the first Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing issue, but maybe that will turn around. That's a four issue mini, so it better turn around. I better turn around quick, right? You know what I'm saying? I know. Daredevil Gang War number two. We're going to have a bunch of Gang War stuff. So we have Daredevil Gang War number two. Okay. Little Electra action. Luke Cage gang war at number three. All right. A little Shaquille O'Neal action, right? You got that? You got the steel going. We have Sentry number two, continuing that play of almost like the Sentry family kind of deal, but that one bad seed, he wants to take all the Sentry for himself. Oh, my goodness. Back to gang war, Miles Morales, Spider-Man number 15. I just want this gang war to mean something. I want it to feel important. Maybe that'll happen this coming week. I don't really hang my hat on Cody Ziegler doing that, but maybe some of the tie-ins may. We have Blade number seven, something that me and Gray have been enjoying, and we're going to see what Blade does 
after, you know, kind of drinking the blood of the Draculas and being trained by the Draculas, he's going to go off and fight. We have Captain Marvel, number four, and maybe we'll get a little more Captain Marvel in this. I, I don't know if that's too much to ask, but possibly. And then Giant Size Spider-Man number one, another Cody Ziegler book. I don't know if I could take two Cody Ziegler books in one week and a giant one at that, but we'll see. If we have the time, we will certainly do that as well. But those are all the books that we're going to be picking from and choosing from and having the podcast. Like I said, one of these books will be picked by the badasses of the Get Fresh crew, and that will be a Patreon-only spotlight show. That comes out usually on a Wednesday. So if you want to get involved in that. And another thing that you do get if you go over to the Patreon is most of the time, including this week, as we speak, and I'm recording this, I am doing this on a Wednesday. And then the show goes right up on the Patreon. So you get a three to four day early access to the show at most times as well. So check that out. Patreon.com slash weird science. All the links will be in the show notes as well. But with all of that, thanks a lot, everybody. And we will talk to you all later. You are all weirdos. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution.